0: How do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and I'm excited today uh, because I have two guests with me. I have uh, E. Stephen Burnett. He's a storyteller of science fiction and fantasy. He's the founder of Lore Haven, which seeks to find truth and fantastic stories through weekly articles and podcasts. And he is the co author of The Pop Culture Parent, uh, helping kids engage the world for Christ. And also with me is Dr. Jared Moore. He uh, serves in pastoral ministry. Uh, He's got a PhD in systematic theology from uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, He is also a co author of The Pop Culture Parent and co hosts the Pop Culture Quorum Deo podcast. Two quick items before we get to our interview. First, if you go to our website at entrustingthefaith.com, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our weekly emails so you know who is coming up on the podcast for the week and who you may have missed the previous week. Uh, You'll also get a free resource when you do, and you can find all our other podcasts on our website while you're there. Feel free to scroll through them, find other interviews uh, to really help you along the way. Uh, second, this episode is just brought to you by my book, Leading Well at Home: How husbands and fathers can biblically lead their families. So, if you've ever thought, "Man, I want to be a godly husband or father," I don't know where to start, or you've heard that you need to do something to equip your family, but you just don't know where to begin. Well, if this is you, or you know anybody you know, Leading Well at Home will show you how you can love Jesus Christ, love and serve your wife and children, and take responsibility for discipling your family. You'll be encouraged and given action steps that you can apply so that you're moving forward. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode. Uh, Stephen, Jared, welcome to the show. It's good to be here.
1: Thanks, Eric. Great to return.
0: Uh, oh, it is my my pleasure. I am excited because uh, Stephen uh, has been on here before. We talked about Lorehaven, and so... Um, if you haven't checked out that episode, make sure you go back and listen to it, because it was a fantastic conversation. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit uh, primarily about uh, the book, The Pop Culture Parent, uh, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ. So, Jared, for those who are not familiar with it, tell us a little bit about the book. What is it?
2: Sure. It's kind of a, I mean, I mean, it's a book that I wish I'd had when I was younger, Um. You know, I was uh, I was raised to where my mother was more free in her conscience. My dad was less free. So mom was, you know, we were watching R-rated movies when I was a kid. And uh, dad would leave the room when a cuss word was said. And then at church, we were burning our secular music CDs in fires. And so I had all those three different views close to me. And um, I found all of them lacking to varying degrees. And so this book, we want to encourage parents to spend time with their children, um, participate in pop culture with them so that they can train them to be ambassadors for Christ. Uh, We believe that uh, pop culture is a resource um, that parents are missing out on because there's still good, true, and beautiful present in pop culture because image bearers are creating the work. And not only that, but pop culture shows us um, you know, the idols of our culture and the idols that are coming down the pike. And um, we can use that as a backdrop to make much of Jesus. Um, you know, our, our children's friends are watching this stuff already. And so we need to use it um, and show our kids how to engage it in a God-glorifying way. And if you can convince your children to engage leisure in a way that glorifies the Lord— uh, where their minds are engaged and their hearts are engaged in a the way that are as the Lord, then they'll naturally do it with everything else. And so they'll think biblically, politically. They'll think, I mean, you, you fill in the blank. They, the rest of life, they will be able to engage from a Christian worldview. And um, and so that that's what our goal is. We will mainly,
0: parents sit down with your children
2: and engage pop culture with
0: them. I love that. So it... Um it gives you that commonality of terms so that they can engage the culture around them. So I think that's great. Uh, so I got to ask though, Stephen, how did you guys connect to actually write it? So what, how did you, what brought you guys together?
1: Well, that story I would count as one of the common graces of popular culture, because it turns out that plot twists, Something good can come out of Twitter. Uh, from my part, I had read uh, the book, the first book written by our co-author uh, Ted Turno, who's not here. He's actually the first name on the book, so it's Ted Turno, Easty, and Burnett, and Jared Moore, which is an unusual thing to see on the front of a book. Three co-authors getting together this way. Uh, Jared and I had both read Ted's first book, Papalogetics, and I'd worked with both of them on art editing uh, various articles. Uh, for the the website uh, that eventually has become a Lorehaven. And then on Twitter, Ted happened to mention that he had been talking with some parents who liked his first book but really wanted to take the next step. How do I teach this method of engaging popular culture for Christ with my kids? Uh, and uh, Ted mentioned that he was thinking about a book. I then tweeted at him that it turns out that Jared and I had been talking about trying a similar uh, manuscript based on an article series we had done and I, I said uh, in effect paraphrasing so shall we join forces be an unstoppable team or should we compete? Uh, ultimately, it seems we have decided to join forces and that's why you have these uh, these three authors. Uh, pooling our shared beliefs. We are all biblical Christians, although from different faith traditions, uh, denominations-ish, you've got all three of us uh, working on the same book. Uh, I like to say that Ted uh, is the scholar, although Jared also is a scholar. Uh, Jared is a pastor, uh, and I get to join them as a a storyteller.
0: I love that. I love that. The way uh, that the Lord opened doors, brought you guys together, uh, really, um, I don't want to say happenstance, but it wasn't like you understood how it was going to happen ahead of time. It was conversation, conversation, working together. Ultimately, like you say, pooling knowledge, experience, and resources to provide a, a pretty amazing tool for families. Now, uh, now, Jared, as you 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 wrote the book, you were trying to. It sounds like provide another resource to families what was the specific problem that you were trying to solve with it? Was it just that communication barrier between like parents and kids? was it to simply show that pop culture is a means to be able to convey the gospel how would you how what were you trying to solve
2: yeah all of the above um we were trying to we we didn't see a book out there exactly like this one we wanted to create a a one volume work like it like what's the go-to book for parenting and pop culture you know that's what we wanted to provide is a a one-stop instead of having to take multiple books to take one stop and and if and if parents um, read this book they'll be generally equipped to be able to engage pop culture with their children in a way that honors the Lord and, and equips them to, um, you know, to engage pop culture themselves. You know, I, I want to transform uh, the way that my children not just view pop culture, but view all of life to where they think distinctly Christian. And, uh, and so this book provides, you know, simple steps to, to get children thinking that way. And also, essentially catechizes the parents as they're participating in pop culture with their children. Mm-hmm. Cause as you train your children to, to think biblically and distinctly Christian, um, well, you're participating in that training as well. And you, you begin to reshape your own, uh, your own thinking and your own imagination. And, um, and so we wanted to kind of buck and disagree with those who, um, know, there's two major extremes, which is what I grew up with, where parents are either hands off, you know, pop culture's harmless, go out there, enjoy it, dive in. And the opposite of that is pop culture is sinister, it's wicked, evil, there's no common grace. Don't touch it or you're gonna be defiled. And so we believe that there's a better way. We believe that you can be in the world but not of the world. And neither of those approaches um, take that into consideration. And so, um, we believe this book is essentially more biblical than some of the other approaches. And, uh, we, we just want to encourage parents.
0: I like that. I like the idea of, of it being like the go-to resource where somebody can say, I just want, I want general information. I'm overwhelmed. Where can I go? And you have a book with, it sounds like step-by-step, some simple steps, to, for those parents to have those conversations uh, with their kids. And and like you say, I, I also too, like what you were saying about being, you know, in the world, but not of the world, because that is like the whole New Testament, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Lord calls us to, you know, be salt and light. Uh, he doesn't just transport us away the moment we become a believer, uh, you know we are to to engage those around us. We can't simply escape pop culture. So right. uh, I love that. now stephen, how how would you define pop culture because i I think in many ways we have an idea of what it is, but just so that we're you know we're all kind of talking the same term, how would you define
1: it? It is essential to ask that question, especially because the term has become such a catch-all. Some people define it as Big Hollywood. Some people define it as anything that humans do that's on TV that I don't like. Uh, It's an essential question to ask, particularly because if we do not ask this question and try to define our terms according to Scripture and even define the quest to engage popular culture by the Scripture, then what will we do? We will do what a lot of Christians, including, unfortunately, a lot of uh, pundits and article writers and book authors will drift into doing, which is... I had a bad experience with the church. I had a bad experience in my youth group or such and such Christian environment, and now I need to fix that. I'm going to engage popular culture as a form of therapy, uh, casting myself as the hero and then the non-Christians who are like me, who grew up with bad views of popular culture. Uh, I need to be better than that. What we've sought to do with this book is not find a third way between the, uh, the legalism about popular culture or the license about popular culture. But to try to set all that aside, we do want to engage with that also, but set it all aside and ask, no, what is the point of popular culture and why should Christian parents care? And to do that, we do have to define popular culture by the scripture. Now, of course, the Bible doesn't talk about uh, the old CDs or MP3s, uh, YouTube videos, TikTok videos, Twitter, any of that stuff that counts as popular culture today. But what scripture does do is define culture implicitly. From Genesis 1, when God tells Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28 to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion and make stuff using God's stuff. Now that's a mix of my paraphrase and the actual biblical language. What we do from the very beginning of the book is go through that definition of culture and then derive from that the definition of popular culture. Uh, We define that as culture that is in shared spaces spaces, areas, technologies of our culture that everybody can get to. Uh, It occupies common spaces such as streaming television, musical artists, and bands, the internet, and comic book stores. Popular culture is art with easy access. It's not an especially bad form of culture. Uh, It's not uh, the word that uh, Ted uses is jejun. Uh, It's not this kind of lowbrow, just entertainment, just a story, uh, something that's just just poor we don't understand popular culture that way we understand popular culture as a reflection of what humans make with the original goal to glorify god and enjoy him by reflecting him of course by then we have to go through what has happened to corrupt popular culture it starts not in the idea of popular culture which would have been god's idea but in the corruption of humans from the soul outward
0: i like the way you described it and in in fact uh Two things really jumped out that I had never really thought about with pop culture. One is it's that culture in shared spaces, which I think is a beautiful description. Like never like I've never thought of it that way. And that idea of art with easy access. I I I know I'm one of those people who often think pop culture yeah, is you know, base, lowbrow, whatever you want to call it, but really it's that it's the world around us that we share. And like you said, when sin came into the world, all of that became corrupted um, in, in a variety of different ways. And so that gives a really good way to think on it. And so, you know, Jared, what what is it about pop culture that's so challenging for Christ followers? I know, you know, you had mentioned, you know, sort of the the two extremes where all pop culture is evil uh, or embrace everything in pop culture, why do we struggle with it so much? I think a
2: big part of it is, is that Christians, we, we have a tendency to be very pragmatic. And so we often choose the easiest path. And especially with parenting, if you have, when you have children, you, and especially if you have more than one, you get to where you're just really surviving. You know, you're, you're, um, you're wondering if you're going to get through the day, <laughs> you know, if you're having to drive them here, drive them there. I'm driving my children to, uh, to school 45 minutes away one way. And, um, and so often we think of what is easiest and what is easiest. It's, it's easier to either tell your children pop culture is harmless, just enjoy it, or don't touch it or to make hard and fast arbitrary rules, like you can't listen to secular music or you can't watch a, an R-rated movie or you can't watch a PG-13 movie. Um, you know, that that's often what is easiest, but in most cases in life, what is easiest is not what's best. And that that's true for the Christian life as well. Um, you know, it takes time to train up our children according to the word. And, um, but it's not as hard as we think it is. You know, if we'll just, I mean, you know, we're, we're not talking about being idealistic, right? We're spending three hours a day in pop culture with your children. You know, if you take 30 minutes, um, you know, with, with my kids, I, we have a daddy night, you know, uh, the oldest is probably getting to where he doesn't care about that. But, but uh, you know, they, they get 30 minutes to an hour, of doing whatever they want and uh, they pick and then I participate in it with them. And it gives me an opportunity to, and you know, I'm not just going to let them watch whatever or do whatever, but it gives me an opportunity to um, sit with them and discuss things that they enjoy and um, to help them engage that for God's glory. And so um, I just want to encourage parents that engaging pop culture with their children, um, it is more difficult than arbitrary rules but it is not that much more difficult. And the thing is, once you start doing it, once you start taking that time and working through pop culture with your kids, it gets easier as time goes on. And we, we've got to look at it as not just raising children, but investing in um, investing in our children, but also investing in our grandchildren, investing in our great-grandchildren. You know, I mean, it, it's, um, it's worth the time and effort.
0: I think... You really hit on a, a point there. It's we want to take the easy route. And sometimes, like you say, that's just it's it's that pragmatic aspect of us is life. Life is just hitting us in every direction. And we just want to say, if this, then this. Right. We want to make those nice, easy distinctions. But, yeah, it, it, it's not that easy. You know, you have to think through it. I think I think
2: one of the what I would often tell parents in like these homeschool conventions that I speak at um it's like it's like uh, when a soldier dies for our country and dies for America um parents uh, Americans it's very easy for us to see the beauty in that um to see the value in that you know we we rarely ask when a soldier dies well, was he or she a Christian? Because we can't celebrate it unless the person's a Christian. Uh, but with pop culture, you know, someone given his or her life, um, we, we say, well, did a Christian make that movie? Did a Christian create that pop culture? And, um, you know, we, we're, we're kind of arbitrary in how we approach different aspects of life when it comes to this subject. And, and we're essentially saying, you know, be consistent you if you can praise an atheist soldier given his or her life for our country, because it's an objective good, then you can watch uh, the Avengers directed by an atheist and praise when there's self-sacrificial love on the screen.
0: I agree. I think it's seeing that in many ways that general revelation as God has, as he has declared his glory throughout the world, as he has imprinted. You know us with with right and wrong and good and evil in our hearts. Um, I, I love that that we can appreciate those moments and then have a conversation about them. You know, you talk about the Avengers movies. It's like, wow, you see this this theme throughout. Okay, so you have atheists. Okay, so you got aliens. Okay, so you got this whole you know universe essentially. But you can have those conversations because good is good and should be praised and evil is evil and let's let's call it evil. And so yeah, I love that, just giving you those conversation points to be able to work through that. Oh yeah, and it, it, it provides a provides
2: a great opportunity too to to show how Jesus is better than the heroes, right? I
0: love that. Yeah. Yeah, because they're just a very I'll call it a crude version of what, of the hero that Jesus truly is. Mm -hmm. So let me ask Stephen, as you're going through the book, how would you define parenting in a gospel-centered way? Because part of this, you know, the book is really equipping families to engage their world, but how do you, how would someone do that in a gospel-centered way?
1: That's the other vital question. And I was amused to find when we were doing the early outlines and discussion about the theology behind this book that, once again, the answer starts with Genesis 128. Uh, Several theologians have referred to God's call to stewardship there as the cultural mandate. And I was intrigued to learn then that the same verses in which God commands people to steward the earth... To make stuff using God's stuff, in effect, to make culture, which is the same root word as cultivate. It's what they're supposed to do when they're making agriculture or eventually building cities or making technology. The same verse is commanding people to start families and have babies and to raise them up. It's the foundation of how scripture understands both of these callings, which I think are really the same calling. So, for anyone who is tempted toward the same kind of pragmatism that Jared mentioned earlier, Uh, As if popular culture or human culture are sort of an optional add-on to this calling, if you are a parent, this is your calling. Uh, You are making culture as you're making a family, and hopefully your kids are participating in the human culture that other people have also made. You don't have a choice. Uh, Even if you're trying to hide out, you're going to make a culture of your own. Uh, There's no way to avoid it, and you should not want to avoid it. This is what God has called us to do. This is part of being human. So I I would say that the call to be a gospel-centered parent is a call for restored humanity. Uh, We must live our lives uh, according to the worldview that Scripture gives us. We understand parenting defined by how God is Father to us, uh, by how God shows His grace to us. Uh, In Christ, we are not just lost in our sins or, uh, or obligated to follow the law. The law reveals our need for a Savior. Uh, as I'm doing, uh, my wife and I now, uh, even after this book was published, uh, we're now full-time foster parents. We've got two teenage girls in the house. Fascinating jump from having no kids to having late teenage kids. And so I have to practice what I've helped to preach here in trying to find that, not, not just a third way between law and grace, but trying to parent according to the law and according to grace, which, uh, which are together the gospel. Uh, When do you try to back off and let that person fail on their own? You know, when should the law come to the front so that the person can then be led back to grace or the reflections of grace? You know, where do we draw the limits for parenting when it comes to the streaming service you subscribe to or the fact that these phones are always on and they have heard every single bad word ever? Uh, I'm constantly faced with those challenges. And so gospel-centeredness, like actually being centered on the gospel, is vital to understand how we execute that, uh, given the different ways, the different modes that we're discipling people around us. And really, it comes back to discipleship. Parenting is discipleship. Uh, for most of us, it just so happens that we are discipling uh, the children that have been born to us.
0: I think it's a very good point that that parenting is discipleship. I don't think that gets— I don't get, I don't think that gets enough airplay, so to speak, because I think sometimes we lump parenting in as, well, it's, it's parenting, right? Uh, and so, but, but truly, as you're saying it, it is discipling. It is, it is that mandate from God in Genesis 128. It is bringing them up in the, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so I think that's huge. And I think too often, and I will I will say the church in the United States, I won't say every church, but I, I'm just going to call it in generalities. I think we miss that because I think we either focus kind of like what you guys were saying earlier, we focus too much on rules or we focus too much on, we'll call it emotions or, or feelings, or we, we sort of hit the two ends, but it's it's staying the course in the middle and as you were sharing, Stephen, uh, especially suddenly going from no children to teenage daughters, there's it, there's no cut and dried rule for it, right? You know, it's like a new chapter, like every minute.
1: <laughs> yes, and if I had to go back and put in more material in the book, I, I might mention how in the world to apply, for example our five basic questions to help parents engage popular culture with their kids, I would try to figure out how do I apply this to TikTok videos? TikTok videos are like 20 seconds. It's a slice of life, and someone is F bombing the other person, and ta da, video's over. Uh, I only leave out the emojis. Like, what do I do with this? Like, in what world do we find ourselves? That's question number two. Or, like, what is the style and shape of this imaginary world? Like, it is a 20 second video. I really do need to listen to what I've helped to preach because I'm trying to find value in the popular culture. And TikTok videos really help push the limits of that question. <laughs>
0: Oh, no. But I mean, those are real questions, right? You know, those are, that is the world in which we live. That is that, that, uh, you know, that shared space. And so, like you say, we're, how do we do that? Uh, and so I I just appreciate your honesty and just saying, Hey, I, man, well, there's, there's not like, there's not a chapter and verse that say, what do I do in this moment? We have to use that discernment that the Lord gives us.
1: Oh, that's true. Although, although Ted's, uh, Ted's chapters about understanding the heart of teenagers and, and then trying to engage, I mean, not just a narrative story, which has a you know beginning, middle, and an end, and the heroes and villains and all of that, but Ted writes about trying to engage the video game Fortnite on these terms. So that's been helpful to me, as well as just some general background information about what happens when you're in that age group.
0: I love that. So just doing some reading, doing some research, seeking the Lord, seeking scripture, and just praying and taking those steps. I think that's powerful. Now, Jared, I know you have, there are several steps for engaging pop culture with your children um, that, that are in the book. Uh, would you tell us just, I mean, just about one of them. Is there like one that's your favorite or do you need to go through all five? How does that, how does that work? Um, I'll briefly go through the
2: five and just talk about the last one. Um, the The last one is how does the gospel apply? And um, it's it's my favorite because I think it's it's the most beneficial, but they're all important. The first one is what is the story? Um, which you just got to get the story right because it's Im- image bearer who's made the art. What is the moral and imaginary world? So um, how has the image bearer who's created this art, how has he or she organized it? and What is he or she conveying, trying to communicate, um, you know, what's good, what's evil, you know, what, what kind of world is it? A third thing is what is good, true, and beautiful in this world? So God's fingerprints are still present because his image bearer has created this art. Um, they, you know, there's no other world to live in except God's world. And so these image bearers can't help but still um, display uh, God. I mean, it's a marred image, but it still reflects him. Like there's still good, true, and beautiful things uh, in pop culture, even if it's an unbeliever who's made it. The fourth thing is what is false and idolatrous in this world? Because there, there's almost always an idol. Right, an idol, an image bearer is a fallen image bearer. And so he or she um, creates uh, idols um, or false gospels or false promises and um, presents those in the pop culture. And the final question is, how does the gospel apply? So once you point out you know, the false gospel, you can show how Jesus actually delivers on his promises, how he is better. And I think one contemporary example would be this uh, Marvel um, – Marvel series, Loki, and, um, you know, they're, they're arguing for a gender fluidity, um, in that. And, um, you know, spoiler alert listener, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, you may not, you may want to skip past this question, this answer. Uh, but, uh, but Loki essentially, um, is stuck in, uh, in time. It messes with time. And, um, one of his, um, one of his other personalities is messing up time. And so Loki has to go find himself and uh, stop himself from messing up time. And so when he finds himself, it's actually a girl. And so Loki is looking at himself and it's actually, it's actually a girl. And so the, the argument comes that essentially who we are as persons is not gendered. Uh, But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he made them male and female. And so theres you're either a male or a female, and you are for eternity. It's not something that can be switched. It's not something that can be traded or changed. If I I was a girl, I would be a different person. I wouldn't be the same person. I wouldn't be Jared, who happens to be a girl. I would be a completely new person um, because we are gendered. Persons. That's what the Bible teaches. And and it gets to the nitty gritty when you start talking about Christ. Right. If Christ uh, could Christ um, save us if he was a woman, Um, he wouldn't be the second Adam. You know, he wouldn't be the second Adam. He wouldn't um, be the prophet, priest and king. You know, he couldn't fulfill those offices for eternity. He couldn't be our high priest for eternity. Uh, You know, you get to the nitty gritty, essentially, when you start pointing to that reality. And I'll, I always tell folks who are egalitarian, you know, um, look if you're you're in the wrong religion because you're going to bow down to a man for eternity. <laughs> you know, I mean that's what the Bible teaches. We're all going to bow down to a true human man, true God, forever. And uh, and so we better not see that as an evil thing <laughs> or a bad thing or a depressive thing, um, but that is a beautiful thing. But anyway, I think Loki provides us an opportunity. I wouldn't watch it with your young children, but your older children, tween and above, watch it with them. It's an opportunity to celebrate the fact that we are male and female for eternity and that we'll always relate to God as either male or female.
1: Uh, but Jared, uh, in, in Christ, we're, we're, we're there's no more male or female in Christ. I actually saw some guy say that. I just tweeted back. That is not even slightly how you Bible. Anyway, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> Cut this part. It's an outtake.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, but I,
1: I I think Loki's
0: a great example where it's very popular. I watched it. It's a good story. I mean, it is it is an engaging story. It pulls you along, at least after about episode two. It took me a little bit to get into it, but then um, but it brings up a whole lot of questions. Just like you said, it talks about uh, that gender fluidity. It talks about Really, this creator God type of person that you meet who's not really all that cool, um, and really kind of persnickety and and fickle. And I mean, it just it's a wealth of discussion opportunities. But kind of the same vein, you need to walk into it knowing Okay, I just can't take everything at face value that they give me. I need to walk into it asking some questions, like, okay, you know, what is true what What is beautiful in this, and where are the idols? So, um, I love that example. Now, Stephen, one of the chapters you talk about uh, it's entitled "Discerning Your Child's Hidden Heart." What? What is the hidden heart? How would you define that? And can you share a little bit about that?
1: I'm really glad we're going here because uh, when Jared and I were doing a, uh, a talk uh, back in uh, one of our conferences, I guess it was the homeschool conference in uh, Missouri. It's so great, by the way, to just have events coming back. You can actually go out and talk about this stuff and meet people. And there was a chap who stood up at the end. I think I was the one speaking uh, and he specifically asked, well, what about all the bad stuff? in popular culture you know and in in his mind i think popular culture is a a neat divide there are good parts in popular culture and there are bad parts in popular culture Uh, and i think jared answered that question Uh, of course if, if i could go back i would try more directly to challenge that belief of of any person or any area of culture which is just reflections of people and the stuff they make i would say you know i don't think the christian worldview uh, supports this idea of good parts, bad parts. Uh, we are not just about the divide between good and bad. You know, People are, I would say, uh, dead in transgressions and sins before Christ redeems us, but we also bear the broken, twisted image of God. It's still there uh, apart from all of our evil corruptions of that image. And so I wouldn't do the divide between good parts and bad parts. I would say the divide is between life and death, And the divide is between worshiping God forever. As Jared mentioned, we will be bowing to a man for eternity one way or another, willingly or unwillingly. uh, And those who don't will be, unfortunately, punished forever. Uh, The divide is between worshiping God forever uh, and worshiping idols. And I think that is the biggest learning curve of the pop culture parent is not just discern the good stuff in popular culture and the bad stuff in popular culture, but discern the stuff that is glorifying to God And the stuff that is idolatrous. So when we're going through those five questions and we get to question four about what's false and subversive in this world, uh, we're not just looking for the cuss words or for the violent moments, because the story may show violent moments or it may show even cuss words, and you may get the very clear idea that the story does not like the cuss word uh, uh, uh a similar example it's not perfect uh, but I, I actually really like the opening to avengers age of ultron the very first word i think if i remember right is uh, tony stark iron man saying a bad word and uh, captain america made himself a meme by instantly saying language so at least you've got one character on the story on your side a cap doesn't like language even though he himself says some bad words later so you could take that and you say well is the story guilty of the bad word? Is it a bad part? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, it's, it's, it's different. The story itself seems to be on your side there. Uh, that leads us back to the hidden heart question, because stories do draw out the idols hidden in your child's heart. Uh, not even the idols, but the weaknesses. I mean, it's uh, we are guilty. We are responsible for our own uh, giving in to temptation, but we also live in a groaning world. There are things that happen to us inside our minds, inside our souls that are the result of other people's sin. Uh, Some people have gone through trauma. They may have a post-traumatic stress. Uh, Some children in particular may have uh, the things that Ted described in this chapter. Uh, They may just be vulnerable to images or ideas or mature themes or scary creatures or images that are found in popular culture. Popular cultural stories can draw these things out, not because the popular culture, the TV or show or whatever gave it to the child, but it drew that fear or that temptation out of the child. That's what we're encouraging people to watch out for. Uh, It is fun to talk about the discussions we can have with these kinds of movies or memes or TikTok or whatever. Uh, There are ways that we can use these as means of discipleship, but only if your child is up for it. Uh, I think that is, uh, that is a big idea we stressed in the book, is going through these different examples at different age-appropriate levels. Small children cannot watch or be exposed to uh, even good movies, like generally PG-13 movies. Uh, that's why we do emphasize age-appropriateness. Uh, it's not that uh, the G-rated movie is the only type of movie that everyone should be allowed to watch because it's the cleanest uh, we we don't do the good parts, bad parts thing, the clean, the unclean thing. Popular culture is a mess. Most of the stories are absolute messes, and it takes godly maturity and uh, and a willingness to pursue godly strength to recover from either those traumas or to build up resistance to those temptations so that we can go into these worlds for the glory of God and explore them together.
0: I like that. I, I like that of being age-appropriate of looking at the idols and understanding it's about worship, right? Worship God, worship idols. It's about life. It's about death. It's really about something that is far more significant, far greater ramifications than good and bad. Uh, And so... I like how you're talking about that, and just having those age-appropriate conversations. I, I remember having a conversation with someone, and they were talking about uh, they were talking about Lord of the Rings, the books versus the movies, and how what the imagination does with the book. You know, when you think about the Balrog, okay? And so you get when someone thinks of the Balrog, if they've never seen the movie, they may get an image. But maybe the movie is so much more intense and scary than anything they could have ever conjured in their own imagination. then you have a problem, then you have sort of like you say you've you've gone way too far, and so, um, I like how you're talking about that, and so so Jared, just discernment how does that? Fit into our engaging pop culture in general. Definitely have to have it with our children's hearts, but also within the pop culture segment in general. How do we use it? What what is there? How important is it? Yeah,
2: discernment's essential. Um, and parents, uh, we've got to realize that there's there's very few um, forms of pop culture that are family-friendly or safe. Um, we, we have a tendency to think that there, that there are safe shows or that they're wholesome shows. Um, but even G-rated cartoons often have a worldview that is um, contrary to the Bible. And, uh, and so discernment's essential. Mainly parents, instead of putting our children in front of the television and letting them participate in pop culture without us, we need to take the time and engage it with them, so that we might help them see these worldviews. Like I, I think of even the the movie *Land Before Time*. You know, um, how it's just this cute dinosaur uh, cartoon, but I mean, it, it teaches an evolutionary worldview and uh, teaches that from the time they're they're little bitty, and uh, and there's there's a lot of. Examples like that that may may not have any cuss words or it may not have any. You know, we we talk about the Andy Griffiths show um, in our book, and we talk about a couple seances that are in a few episodes, and um, and there there's other things that we could talk about as well. You could talk about Veggie Tales, how there's never a crucified Savior, how the gospel is virtually absent from Veggie Tales. It's moralistic, therapeutic. It's using the Bible that way, and um, you know. Discernment's essential, and parents, we we, we have to engage um, pop culture with their children, just to get them thinking biblically about it, you know, so that we might train them up to where they're they're not just drinking deeply of whatever. I mean, are are we not seeing today primarily a lot of the issues that are going on in our country right now are due to a population that that cannot think. They they are duped by slogans and emotionalism and and not they they are unable to think logically and biblically and consistently and um, and I think parents we need to t- to take our duty to help shape our, our children's minds
0: in a way that honors the Lord
2: and um, and so,
0: discernment's essential. I think it's a good point that that we need to do this. But I think too, even, I think a lot of believers, they don't even, they're guilty and and I've been guilty and I, I don't do it perfect, but I think being guilty themselves of not even applying discernment in their own lives. And, you know, we talk about idols and it's hard sometimes to discern idols that you're worshiping and being able to tell your kids that, oh, these are you know, these are idols. <laughs> it, it's almost like we we need to do that that self evaluation. You know, and let the Holy Spirit work in us, so that then we in turn can then help them understand. I think a lot of people just sort of check that at the door. And yeah, they do. They do. Which is which is dangerous. Um, so as we as we kind of wrap up here, um, Stephen, one takeaway. One takeaway you'd like our listeners to have today uh, from the book, from pop culture, from worldview, from anything uh, that we've talked about or even something that we haven't. What is something you would like to leave them with uh, for them to ruminate on, act on?
1: Popular culture was God's idea. God does not give us these shows, these songs, these stories People make them up, but they make them up according to the original purpose that God gave his created people, to go forward, to have babies, to have families, and to make stuff using God's stuff. That's the goal. Uh, If Adam and Eve had never sinned, we would have gotten here with the internet and memes and all of those things one way or the other. Uh, Can you imagine the kind of stories and songs and technology that people would have made apart from sin's corruption? However, that's not the real world, any more than a world without popular culture could ever be the real world. Uh, People have sinned. They have rebelled against God, and as a result, we also live under a curse. The curse corrupts the popular culture that we make, not because popular culture is evil or it's of the devil or anything like that, but because people are evil dead hearts make stories full of death as well as reflections of life because they still bear those pieces of god's image in christ however we can start to redeem the idea of popular culture define popular culture according to scripture, just as we're defining families according to scripture. Uh, I actually begin to think that like Ted and Jared and I have uh, the easy job here. You know, we have a book that's very practical about applying something to popular culture that people already want to do. I think it's a far rougher mission, uh, to try to go out uh, even into the churches where people are so busy or they have been corrupted by false beliefs about their job. Uh, And try to persuade those people hey, you need to parent according to the gospel, or like this, this is your job. And you you don't just uh, get upset at the TV show or the computer game uh, for failing to be family friendly or for failing to teach the gospel. Like it is your job to teach the gospel, it is your job to disciple. Uh, don't fault the pagan-made story uh, for having bad words in it if, if you sent your kids to the other room, frankly, and, and tried to get some stuff done to get ready for dinner that night. Uh, not that you need to watch every single show. Uh, there is definitely not enough time for that, uh, but it is your task. I think it is our task as the church, which is really the important thing. This is not just our task as individuals, not just our mission as families, but it's our mission as the church. And never before have we had so many resources, uh, including but not limited to the pop culture parent, to share. Ideas to share, oh, what about this show? What about this app? What do you think about this? Like that stuff is part of the discipling mission. And I think more and more Christ centered Christians, gospel centered parents need to be sharing that information over the internet, over phone calls, texts, whatever, just as much as we would share any other information that's important for the task of parenting. Uh, This is the task of parenting uh, for the glory of God and the good of our kids who are going forth when they grow up. Uh, into a world that is hostile to the gospel, uh, but also bears hints, reflections, conversations, touch points about that gospel. Uh, Our kids are going to be in Christ, if they are in Christ, God-worshipping missionaries who are part of the church. That's the goal. Not just good Americans, not just good people, but that is who they are destined to be if they are in Christ. Uh, That's a bit of a long answer for the one takeaway, but uh, even if you never buy the book, I basically just summed it up right there, all for free.
0: I love it, and I appreciate that so much in what you were saying. And just we need to we need to take that responsibility, take that ownership because it is a calling on parents. Uh, the Lord, it, it it is a a calling that the Lord has entrusted to us. So I love it. So as we wrap up, if listeners want to know more about uh, you guys, where to find your stuff, uh, where would you like them to go? I'll throw it out to each of you real quick.
2: Um, folks can find me on Twitter at Jared H. Moore. Um, I've got a couple books coming out. Uh, one may hit by the end of this year with uh, Free Grace Press. And then I've got another book coming out next year with Free Grace Press. And so be, be looking for those. And um, check out uh, the Pop Culture Quorumdale podcast. And uh, we, we just apply the principles in this book to movies
0: and uh, I hope uh, hope folks enjoy it. Excellent, excellent.
1: And how about you, Stephen? Uh, the best place to find me is, of course, a uh, Lore Haven, uh, where we find the best Christian-made fantasy, science fiction, and beyond, and apply their meanings to the real world. We have weekly reviews on Fridays, weekly fantastical truth podcast episodes every Tuesday, uh, and then we have several articles from a variety of creative, gospel-based Christian contributors. Exploring the intersections of particularly fantasy type stories uh, and gospel truth. Uh, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and all those places, and you can find all those links at lorehaven.com.
0: Awesome! Well, everybody listening, we're gonna all those links. We're gonna make sure they get in the show notes, so you can check out uh, the podcast, check out the website, reach out to them, contact them. Jared, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been. Uh, just wonderful in terms of information, in terms of uh, what you've been able to share with the audience. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Eric. Godspeed, Eric. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, Check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us. Your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, at Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, you can sign up to our email list uh, and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember, legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.